0: We love glory. I just got a hunch you're just like me. You love glory. I mean, what's not to love about glory? Victory. Celebrating. Like, yeah, awesome, right? I'll give you an example. When I was in high school, which is a very, very long time ago, <laughs> back in the 80s, and what a decade. But I remember I, I got into a sport really as a, an opportunity to cross-train for cross-country and track, I got into bicycling, cycling long distances, and I had a a racing road bike and would get on that bike a lot and travel and and just ride and ride and ride. And, you know, I I was really good at it because I rode by myself a lot. And and as you may know this, when you ride by yourself, you have nothing to compare to. And so I was really good. And had a friend that encouraged me saying, hey, you know what, you should, you're, you're a competitive guy, why don't you sign up for a road race and just see how you stack up? I'm like, you know, that's a great idea. So I entered a race, uh, got all signed up. It was like a, a 50-mile race, something like that, and, which was not a big deal. Um, it was a hilly course that concerned me a little bit, but um, I was in great shape. And uh, on the starting line, I'm looking around, and there's probably 200 cyclists and I'm checking out their, their their bikes and all of their equipment. And, I mean, some of them were walking in with these carbon fiber frames and stuff and, and aero wheels. I mean, this was the early stages of a lot of the aerodynamic kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, man, if these guys are as fast as their equipment would suggest, I don't have a chance, right? Because I'm looking down at my pretty inexpensive road bike thinking, I don't know about this. But I'm like, but I... I'm good, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do well. But at that moment, I thought, you know what? At the very least, my goal was at some point to lead the race. That was my goal. And even if it meant I led for just like a quarter mile, I, I didn't care. I just wanted to say I led the race at some point. So the gun goes off. We start off, and, and i got to be honest, the pace was intense. It was fast. I'm thinking 50 miles Wow. Um, but I was able to, to work my way up and stay with the lead group as best I could. And, and the pace, like I say, absolutely intense. So fast that I'm thinking, if I'm going to reach my goal, now is the time. And I, I made a break for it. I went up the side. I was drafting off the back end of the lead group for a while. And I finally sprinted ahead to the front. And, and I have to say, it, it felt really good. I mean, who doesn't love glory and, and victory? And I'm in the front of the race. I mean, this is a dream come true. And, and it felt so good that the adrenaline took over and the excitement took over. I'm like, well, if I'm in the lead now, why not keep going? So I'm cranking and feeling energized and we go up over a hill, we come down a hill and, and there's this crowd of people gathered at an intersection and they're cheering for me and saying way to go, you're awesome! At least I assume that's what they were saying and because I honestly, I was going so fast and, and putting so much energy into it. I went right through that intersection and, and, and the crowd just uh, roared in, into a great applause and the cheering just escalated. And again, I don't know what they were saying, but they just must have been impressed because I was doing so well. Because as I, I kept biking and, and cranking and riding and hammering, I, I couldn't hear the bikes behind me anymore. I couldn't hear their breathing anymore. And it occurred to me, like, wow, I must be really gaining an incredible lead. It's going better than I could ever imagine. I realized I am good, right? And and as I rode, finally, it occurred to me, you know what, I've earned it. I want to look behind me and see how sizable my lead has now become. And and I turned around, and, and that's when I saw it. In the distance maybe about three-quarters to a mile back because I was up on a hill, I saw that intersection I went through where I heard all of the people yelling and cheering. Well, there was no cyclist going straight through the intersection like I had. They were all turning. (laughs) And uh, I came in dead last as a result. Um, Glory to humility. Because if we're given a choice between the two, we're going to choose glory every time. Nobody wants to purposely choose pain and suffering and struggle and turmoil and setback and discouragement. We want glory. We want victory. We want things to go our way and go according to our plan on our timetable and to turn out the way we want it to go. We don't want the unexpected. We don't want suffering. We don't want to have to struggle And so it was that on that Palm Sunday that a group of people gathered along the road and they wanted glory and they were longing for it. And you might say they had had every reason to long for it and desire it. These were people whose religious rights had been oppressed by the Roman government. These are people who were overtaxed and wanted things to change. These were people who knew enough of the Old Testament scriptures to know that God had promised a day would come where he would send one known as Messiah, who would reestablish power and control to his chosen people. They were longing for that day, and for them, I mean, after all, the the national symbol of the Jewish people was a palm branch, which represented victory, which represented glory, which represented restoration and hope for the future. Makes sense then that they cut the branches down. Now they would have been a crowd, we don't know how sizable, but keep in mind that the population of Jerusalem normally in Jesus' day was around 250,000. Except for festivals that were going on. And the Passover festival would have brought in a a surge of close to a million people. Would have been covering and and filling the streets that day. And and very likely this victory parade that was going on may have not been well noticed by many. But it was noticed by some. It was noticed by those who were cheering and and shouting victory and and glory And, and, and hosanna which means Lord, save us! And shouting out to King David, uh, the promised son of David, that they hoped Jesus was. But also there that day was another group, a group that was going there to really try and shut this all down. The chief teachers, or the, the chief uh, priests and the teachers of the law, they knew Jesus had had reportedly raised. Lazarus from the grave, and the people were getting excited about this. I mean, if if he could overcome death and and heal people and and preach and stand up to the religious establishment, well, maybe, maybe our hopes could be found in the glory of one who has come. Chief priests, teachers of the law didn't like that. They were looking to shut it down. They were discouraged that so many people were following this one named Jesus of Nazareth. And yet the events of that Palm Sunday would give way so very quickly in the next few days, not to glory, but rather to suffering and humility and pain and torture and struggle. It didn't make any sense. It didn't fit people's expectations. Because after all, they, like us, we don't want this. We want this. We want a Jesus who will do what we want. We want a Jesus that will turn our country around again. We want a Jesus that will answer our every beck and call and whim of what we want. Maybe you come here today and you say, Jesus, I thought life would be easier by following you. <laughs> and you wave that glory desire. I thought I'd be successful. I thought people would like me. I thought my loved one would be healed. I thought my marriage would go better or be easier. I thought my kids would... Turn out different, or I thought my parents would understand me. I thought things would be so much easier as a follower of you. I mean, after all, aren't you a God who comes to bring glory? And yet, like them, Jesus comes in a different way. He comes by way of humility. He comes as one who would lay down his life purposely, intensively, and intentively. Jesus came purposely to die. (laughs) And that doesn't fit this explanation or expectation. But it does come to fulfill what Jesus said he would do. You see, when our expectations are here and our wants and what we think are our needs are here, Jesus comes to fulfill our greatest need. And that isn't for glory, it's for forgiveness. It's for grace, it's for mercy, as Pastor Steve alluded to. And that mercy and that grace and forgiveness would come at a great price. It would come at the cost of our Savior's life. And sometimes we forget that. We know the story maybe so well, we actually forget that we try to place this in front of that. we say, no, but I still want a Jesus that brings glory to my life here today and now. But we miss the point. Following Jesus is a way of suffering. It is a place of of difficulty and challenge and struggle in this world. But a Savior who enters into that brokenness and that place not only with us but for us is one that gives us incredible promise. I love how John's Gospel brings this detail into the mix that as John writes it, And he shares those Old Testament prophecies about that the the Messiah would come entering on a donkey. And, you know, it wasn't the expectation of what a king would ride in on. I mean, after all, a donkey was a pretty common animal. And I want to assure you, how many of you are afraid of flying? Anybody? Um, Let's do this. How many of you are afraid of donkeys? Um, You know, statistics show that every year, more people are injured or killed by donkeys than are injured or killed by airline accidents. Um, It has nothing to do with the sermon. I just want to assure you, it's okay. Um, Now, Jesus rides in on a donkey, not with fear, but as those shout out, Hosanna, Jesus already knows where he's going, what will unfold in that week, and, you know, not the expectation that everybody had. But as I say, not what they wanted, but rather what they needed. Jesus comes in that kind of way, in an unexpected way. And and, and Jesus gives this incredible promise. And as John writes, he says, the disciples didn't realize it until later that it was through this path of humility that ultimate, eternal glory would win out. Back in uh, 1988, I met a man that... Just made my day. I mean, I was into bicycling, as I shared with you, and I met a man who was already a hero in my world, and his name, Greg LeMond. Um, He was a world champion cyclist from the US of A. He had already won the Tour de France in 1987. He had become the first American uh, to do so, and uh, made history in that victory. But then something very tragic happened. He was this close to death because of a hunting accident. Um, he was actually shot, and uh, 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 just many, many lead pellets had filled his his rib cage, and actually, many of them actually lined the wall of his heart that they couldn't surgically remove. In some way, somehow, he survived all of that. But for all intents and purposes, and expectations, his career was done. I mean, and and that's when I met him. It was sometime after his recovery from that accident, but the thoughts of him ever going on to be a cyclist again and certainly not competing on the world stage had pretty much all but disappeared. And I met him, and it was just a, an amazing experience. I was starstruck to, to, to talk to him that amazing day. And um, you can imagine how excited I was. Some months later, a year later, in 1989... When Greg Lamond not only entered the Tour de France again, but going into the final stages was in the running to come, you know, second, third, fourth place. I mean, what an accomplishment uh, to do that well in this, you know, 15 to to 2,000 mile race. Uh, It's just incredibly through the, the, the Swiss Alps. I mean, incredibly grueling, one of the most grueling events in the world over several weeks. And here he was doing very well to place. And and it went into the final stage, and everybody said, what a great effort by Greg LeMond. Going into the final stage, he was 50 seconds behind the leader with a time trial, and there was really no hope, no possibility that he would do any better than second. Except here's what happened. Greg LeMond started that race in an unprecedented way. Each kilometer and each mile that passed, he gained two seconds at a time, two seconds at a time. And early on, it's like, well, he's going to run out of steam. He, he's going to slow down. But he didn't. He went faster and faster and faster, and so much so that he gained enough time that he won the race. And, and the commentators, I remember watching it, and I'm like, no way! This has never happened before. He overcame 50 seconds in the last stage of the race. And, and the, what had been leader, a guy by the name of Lorette, Fignon, who was a Frenchman, he he falls to the ground and begins sobbing, and Greg LeMond realizes he has just won, a- a- and the world went crazy, and he went on the next year to win again. He comes from seeming death all the way to victory. Well, you know why I tell you that? Because our God did the same, but even more so. He did die. And we're going to learn more about that this week, how gruesome that death was. But we're also, we have the, the amazing blessing to know how it ends. He rises again to victory and to glory. There's this great, great verse. And I end with this thought today. It takes us to Revelation. And we're going to spend some weeks after Easter going through the great resurrection text of Revelation. The promises of not only what is and what, what is to come, But we have this image from Revelation 7. And John says it there. He says, I looked and here before me was an enormous crowd that no one could count, made up of persons from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, that is Jesus, dressed in long white robes and with palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God. Notice what's changed. Not, Lord, save us, but rather, salvation, past tense, belongs to our God, the one seated on the throne, the Lamb. You see, our God goes the way of humility, but he brings about glory, and a glory that brings us grace, mercy, and forgiveness today. We have much to give thanks for on this Palm Sunday. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we confess so often, we desire instant gratification. We want glory here and now. And yet you're a Savior who enters this fallen world with humility and in suffering and struggle. But in it and through it, Lord, you bring about a greater glory that will not fade away or spoil. It's one that's eternal. And it's the glory of salvation that is ours as you have conquered sin and death and and disbelief and unbelief once and for all as our Savior, who invites us to experience that victory together. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.